My name is Annie Magner, and I serve in the children's ministry here at King's Cross Church. You're listening to the podcast from King's Cross Church in Charleston, South Carolina. We are working our way through the entire Bible during 2023 in a sermon series called The Story. For more information about our church or to find resources related to the story, visit kingscross.org. Well, good morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Braden, you come on up. So uh, last Sunday, if you were here, Chip uh, preached in Deuteronomy, and the title of his sermon was Choose Life. And so he challenged us to make this ultimate decision to where we choose life over death, to where we choose Christ as our Lord and Savior. And uh, he said this. He said, uh, and this is I quote directly from his sermon, Moses says it's not a hard choice to make. In other words, God has made the gospel very accessible to us, and it's easy to understand that a man would live a perfect life, die on the cross for our sins, rise from the dead, and we just need to place our faith in him. So it's not a hard choice to make, Chip says, or said. Now, and I quote him, it may be a little hard to live out. That's a different sermon. Well, I thought, let's preach that sermon. So that's what we're doing this morning as we look in Joshua. And I got my friend Braden Jones up here. So Braden, yeah, give it up for Braden. All right. Never have too many people applaud when I get up to preach. So I need to get you up here every time. So uh, Braden and his family got involved in our church uh, seven years ago in 2016. And so they dove right in to helping us get started. Braden at that point was 13 years old. And uh, a couple of years ago, Braden made this ultimate decision to where he gave his life to Christ, January 2021, and I just wanted you to share just a little bit with us. thought we'd be encouraged to hear about him making this ultimate decision to choose life. So maybe share a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so I grew up in the church. Um, all of high school, I was like the Christian kid, but I wasn't really a Christian. Like I was the FCA leader. I was uh, going to youth groups. I was inviting people to youth groups all the time. But um, what I realized was that uh, I was living this crazy double life. And uh, that became really real to me my senior year. And that was right whenever the church was starting to do grow groups. So uh, AJ Utes came to me and uh, my buddies, Josh Hartzog and Drake Nesbitt. And uh, we started uh, our bro group, not grow group, oh, bro, bro group. <laughs> and um, so just uh, being a part of that and seeing that, watching how AJ lived his life, watching how the other guys were transformed by uh, hearing the gospel, uh, it really just, it, it hit me hard. And um, the Lord used that to, to speak to me and to kind of change. It made me realize that I had to make a change. Um, if I wanted to, to seek eternity, um, and if I wanted Jesus in my life now, but also in the next life. Um, yeah. So was that decision hard to make? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, it's a no-brainer because it's God, but, like, there's things you got to give up. So I think, for me, I knew, those con- I knew the cost, um, or I had a good idea, but it wasn't, it wasn't too much. So. Yeah. So, okay, so that was it's difficult in the sense you've got to surrender your life, but easy in the sense of it's just by faith and God's already paved the way for you through Jesus' death on the cross. 
But now, so you made that decision January 2021. Right. We're now two years into that decision. Yeah. So what's it like every day since then? Like, is it a one and done decision or what is it like to follow Christ? <laughs> no, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, deny your flesh daily. That's like the toughest thing ever. Um, like I wake up and I feel like, like sometimes I'm like, am I really a Christian? But like, that's obviously the devil talking. But like, I wake up and I have these fleshly thoughts every morning and I got to like cast those away. Um, keep your thoughts captive. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So like making choices like every day, you've got to, to be able to cast those thoughts away, be in the word. Yeah. You got to be in prayer. Right. You got to keep, you still hang out with AJ? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So don't let that guy go. Get you another bro group. Yeah. So I, like, I like the one I got. So we, we got a little tech start going. Oh, so cool. it stays All going. Right, that's yeah. great. All right. Awesome. All right. Give it up for Braden. Thank you, man. Okay. Well, thank you, Braden, for that. I love uh, putting uh, some flesh with God's word and how that it's impacting our lives daily. And uh, we do this at member meetings as well. One of the reasons to become a member at King's Cross is you show up at a member's meeting and you get to hear people share their testimonies about the impact God's made in their lives. And so anyway, always encouraged to hear how Jesus is working in other people's lives. So as we look at last week, making the ultimate choice that we got to choose life and to say no to moving in the path of death and yes to moving in the path of life, life by embracing Jesus Christ. I, I thought about this uh, as we're talking about looking in the book of Joshua and seeing that over and over they got to choose to follow the Lord every single day. In fact, God has given them the promised land, but they got to go get it. And so how do they go get it? By making everyday choices. And so uh, I was thinking, I wonder how many choices we make a day. Like, how many choices, how many decisions do you make a day? So when I'm looking for an answer, what do you do? We Google it. And so I Googled it. And the number that keeps popping up, and you can do this. You can test me if you want to pull out your phones right now. How many decisions does the average person make a day? The number that keeps popping up is 35,000 decisions a day. 35 choices, you're like, no, 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 that's not true. The internet does not lie. It's true. All right, so, but I still wanted to test it out, and I counted the decisions. I know I didn't count the decisions I made. Uh, but I, I decided to test it out just with a calculator, decided to do some math, and basically the way it works out is if you sleep eight hours a day, that means you're up 16 hours, and if you take 35,000 divided by uh, 16, you get... 2,187 choices an hour that you're awake, and that still is like, no, no, there's no way. But then you take 2,187, and you divide that by 60, right, 60 minutes an hour, you get that you make 36 choices a minute. Hmm, maybe so. Maybe I do make 36 decisions every minute about, like, whether or not I'm going to throw my hand up like this, or whether or not I'm going to take a drink of water. You know, maybe I, maybe I do. Or it could be a little exaggerated, but I, so I thought through, okay, what kind of decisions have we made so far this morning? Like, um, I think we've made some pretty big decisions before we even showed up here. Like, how many times to hit the alarm clock 
I did that a couple of times. In fact, I, I turned off my phone. I ran in the bathroom. Christy was still asleep. And then I got in the bathroom and my alarm stopped. It was the kind of the, the last call, you know. I set my alarm clock against my phone doesn't work. So I run in there and turn that off. Uh, whether or not to read the Bible. You made that decision today, whether or not to read the Bible before you came to church, whether or not to pray, uh, what to drink, what to eat, uh, whether you take a long shower or a short shower or maybe no shower at all. It's possible. Well, we won't confess this morning. This isn't a time of confession. Uh, do I brush my teeth or do I just get one of those free church mints when I get to church? Uh, what do I wear? Do I make the bed or do I deal with it later? like tomorrow, <laughs> what to say or not to say to the first person I see, uh, whether or not to come to church, uh, whether or not to encourage someone to come with me, uh, who's going to drive. Uh, we're making that decision now that Anna Claire has her driver's license. Who's actually going to drive the car? It's pretty cool to be able to uh, make that choice. Uh, what music I will play in the car or no music at all. Lately for me, it's always Taylor Swift if I'm driving with one of my kids. Am I going to stop and pay for coffee, or will I drink the free stuff at church? Uh, will I talk to people or just grab a seat? How many spaces will I leave between me and the other person on the row? This might have to do with whether you or they brushed their teeth or took a shower. Uh, will I sing, pray, listen, or take notes? So really... You and I have made a lot of decisions, a lot of choices already this morning. Life is full of choices, right? So in 2006, I had taken the LSAT. My plan was to go to law school. I was in campus ministry working for a ministry called Campus Outreach. I actually quit my campus ministry job on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And then two hours later, I get a call from my supervisor saying, hey, I know you just quit, but... Uh, we could really use you in Charleston. What do you think about that? And so we took, Christy and I took about six months to pray about it, and uh, we decided to do it. And I think back on that decision, and I could talk about a number of decisions that I've made. Uh, but that one choice to move to Charleston has impacted my entire family. Um, and if I had chosen differently, I would not be standing here today. And you are no different. Your life up to this point, to some degree, is an accumulation of the choices that you have made. Think about it. If you are over 21, what choices led to your education? Your location, where you live. What choices have you made that has led to your vocation? And then what choices have you made that have led to your relations, like your relationships with other people? For any of these categories, making this choice got you here, and if you had made that choice, then you would have been somewhere else. And I was actually between services. I was talking to someone that was in the first service, and we were uh, celebrating and uh, uh, being very discouraged over some decisions that we've made and some decisions, other decisions that we have made that have been celebratory. And if you're under 21, think of all the different directions your life could go based on the choices you make. All my kids are teenagers. We're thinking about college, and so we're thinking a lot about that. Hey, these are important decisions uh, that we make now that could have a credible impact on the future, not only in my life, our lives, but the lives of those around us. 
It makes sense that our lives are an accumulation of our choices. God is a decision-making God, and we are made in his image. So, therefore, we are decision-makers. And it is through our decisions that God has determined to carry out his plan for us and the world around us. So this brings us to our text this morning. We are working our way through the Bible in 2023, and today we are in the book of Joshua. So it just so happens that I get to pre- be the one, Josh, to preach to the book of Joshua. God had a plan to get Israel to the promised land, but everyday choices would determine whether or not they would be the ones to make it. Let me say that again. God had a plan to get the Israelites to the promised land, but everyday choices would determine whether or not they were the ones to actually make it. Deuteronomy, which Chip preached on last week, ends the same way that Joshua begins. Moses had led the Israelites to the edge of the promised land. God had allowed uh, Moses to see it, but he tells him that Joshua would lead them into the promised land. So Moses dies, and Joshua is the guy. So this gets us to our text this morning in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, which is what we're going to use to launch off into the rest of the book. So Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistants, which, by the way, uh, here's some... Bible trivia for you. Do you know what character in the Bible, other than Adam and Eve, did not have any parents? It's Joshua. He was the son of none. Okay. All right. So it's a bad dad joke. All right. So the Lord says to Joshua, you can use that and impress your friends. Uh, the Lord says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. You and all this people into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. So I want to pause here and just say this. As you read through the book of Joshua, and many of y'all have been doing that going through the devotional uh, plan that we put out over this last week, you'll see the Israelites take land, and you'll see people killed. Now, this may seem unjust, but we must recognize that God is always just. God owns all land and all people. God gets to be the one who determines who lives and who dies. God punishes those who do evil and don't trust in him. God promised the land to Israel, so he did this going back all the way to Genesis chapter 12. And Joshua was simply carrying out God's orders. So I just want to say this. We don't have time to get into it in the sermon, but if this is a struggle for you when you read through the Old Testament and you see some of these battles and it's like, really, what is going on with this and how does this work with the character of God? I would love to talk with you. Beth, our women's ministry director, would love to talk with you. Our staff, elders. Just please let us know and love to sit down and talk. But we need to move on in the sermon. But God is just, and he always does what is righteous. That's the main takeaway. So verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Meaning that you will have everyday choices to make. There are always forks in the road. Every, for all those 36 decisions that we make a minute, 2,187 an hour, 35,000 choices a day, basically the reason why you have a choice is that there is a fork in the road, that you could go this way or you could go that way. And Joshua, the Lord is telling Joshua, stay on the road. That you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So some key crucial, what I believe crucial takeaways right out of the gate, just looking at these nine verses. And I'm kind of a math guy. I like to look and see how things fit. And uh, the number of times something's mentioned is kind of like kind of cool to me. And so I feel like God is making some points on about five different things because there's five different things where in this passage, he just happens to mention them twice. Like, for instance, God tells Joshua twice that God has given him the land. Joshua just needs to go get it. In this passage, God tells Joshua twice that he must be strong and courageous. Right here in these verses, God tells Joshua twice to obey his words. That's where Joshua is going to get his direction. Stay on the path. Don't take the forks. God tells Joshua twice that he will be with him. This is where Joshua is going to get his strength and courage. And then God tells Joshua twice that he will be successful. And we're going to see that there's one place where Joshua wasn't successful and he gets really confused. We're going to see that in a minute. So in chapter two, Moses, so I want to give you a little flyover real quick because I want to, I want to show, kind of set the framework for the book of Joshua so that when we get into uh, the specific texts and the everyday choices that are made, we'll kind of know where everything fits. So in chapter two, Moses sends, not Moses, but Joshua sends spies to Jericho and they meet a prostitute, her name's Rahab, who covers for them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. In chapter 3, God parts the Jordan River, and then they cross over on dry land. There's something about God. He likes bodies of waters where he can just kind of part and people walk through, where it happens here again in the Jordan River. In chapter 5, when Joshua gets close to Jericho, out of nowhere, like, this is crazy, a man with a sword appears, and Joshua, I think, is a little startled, and so if a man shows up with a sword, one of the things you probably want clarity from the beginning is, hey, are you for me or are you against me? And so that's what he asked him. He says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the man with the sword says, neither. I am the commander of God's army. And then Joshua falls on his face and worships him. And this commander of God's army tells him, hey, you're on holy ground right now. And I think this is, God coming in the flesh and reminding Joshua what he said in chapter 1. I told you I will be with you wherever you go, and here I am. And then also I think this is God saying, I'm not fighting your battle. Don't be asking if I'm for you or if I'm for your adversaries. I'm fighting my battle through you. 
So that's in chapter 5. In chapter 6, the Israelites walk around Jericho 13 times. They blow some trumpets, and then a wall falls. Crazy story. We're going to get to that in a minute. In chapter 7, they go up against the nation of Ai. Israel is defeated, and 36 of Joshua's men are killed. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, we're not successful here. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Joshua is confused and questions God. Then they find out that when they were wrapping things up in Jericho, an Israelite soldier named Achan kept a jacket and some money when God said destroy it all. God had said destroy everything, and Achan's standing there saying, well, hey, here's some really cool clothes, and here's some money. This ain't going to be missing. Why do we got to throw it away? I think I'll just keep some for myself. That was not a good decision. Well, Achan's family is brought to justice, and then they end up going in, and they're able to take the nation of Ai. Then in chapter 10, this is crazy. God stops the sun. The sun stands still for like 24 hours, and then Israel is allowed to defeat five nations at once. And then in chapters 10 through 12, Joshua and the Israelites defeat 24 more nations. And then in chapters 13 through 22, the promised land is divided up among the tribes. And then finally, in the last two chapters, in 23 to 24, Joshua gives two speeches where he reminds Israel of these things. It is the Lord who has fought these battles and has given them the land. There are more nations that God will drive out, and that's going to come up in Judges. We're going to see that next week. There, uh, Joshua then challenges them to do four things. Obey God, not take any forks in the road. That language comes up again. Don't mix with the nations and simply cling to God. So that's a flyover of the book of Joshua. God had given them the promised land, but it was up to them to make everyday choices to take it. So the biblical truth for this morning is this. If you have your notes or if you're online, you can take some notes. Those who consistently choose to obey God will succeed wherever they go. That's what we see in the first few verses of Joshua. That's what we see throughout the whole book, these everyday choices. So I want to look at five everyday choices that Joshua, uh, that we see in the book of Joshua. And the first one is, in chapter 2, Rahab cho- chose to join God's side. Rahab chose to join God's side. Joshua had sent out two men to Jericho to get some intel. A prostitute named Rahab hid the spies, and when the king of Jericho, Jericho asked where they were, she said that they had left, but Rahab had actually hidden the spies on the roof. So pick up in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 2. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Rahab then helps them escape, and they give her this red rope uh, to put in her window so her family will not be destroyed when the Israelites conquer Jericho. So the Bible doesn't condone Rahab's lie. Nowhere in the scriptures do you see, oh, okay, so therefore it must be okay to lie. We don't see that. Uh, but we also, And I don't have time to get into the principle of what she did and how that applies to the action of faith that she took. 
But we do, uh, Megan and uh, Chip and I had a lot of fun. Jacob recorded us doing a Q&A podcast on chapter three last week. And in that, we talk about what happens with the midwives in the uh, book of Exodus and how they actually lied as they feared God. And so we kind of address this topic. So if you're interested in that, we had a lot of fun doing it. So we'd love for, I think, our audience so far is a total of five people that listen to it. So I would love for y'all to listen. But anyway, we address that. So if you're curious. Uh, But in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we see that this was a really big decision that Rahab made that honored the Lord to protect these spies so that the, kingdom, so that the Israelites could be ushered in the promised land. Because so we see her listed in Hebrews chapter 11, which is just this uh, compilation of names of people in the Old Testament that demonstrated great faith. And she's one of those. So her one decision of faith led to her entrance into not one, but two promised lands. So she ended up was able to join the Israelites as they entered into the promised land. And then because of her entrance into the kingdom of God, one day she'll be in the eternal promised land that we're all headed toward those that trust in Jesus, which is heaven. And in fact, another really cool trivia about Rahab is that you can look in Luke chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 1, and you can actually see that she's part of the lineage that leads to Christ. And so this prostitute was a great hero of the faith. So if you're not a believer, it's important to know that joining God's side is not a series of choices. It's like we talked about what Chip talked about last week and what Braden demonstrated in his testimony. In January 2021, it's a one decision. We see this with Rahab. She heard of God, she placed her faith in God, and then she was saved. So I will say this, though. If you're here and you don't know Jesus... And you're like, I'm not really ready to make that ultimate decision. I will say, and I will applaud you for at least being here, because you have made a choice that will help you investigate whether or not the ultimate choice is something that you're ready to make maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, maybe on down the line. And so there are choices that you can make to lead to this ultimate choice, like coming to church, being around the body of Christ, getting involved in community, reading the Bible, talking to people, and watching people's lives who already follow Jesus. And so, but ultimately, it is this one choice that she made to join God's side. Number two, the priest chose to step out in faith. The priest chose to step out in faith. We see this in Joshua chapter 3. So verses 14 and 16. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people... And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. And this is a really key uh, note that is in parentheses. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. And then it goes on in verse 16. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. So the priests come out, they got the Ark of the Covenant, and God says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take this step into overflowing waters, and when you take this step, then it's going to part, and you're going to be able to walk on dry land. So maybe some of the priests were good swimmers, maybe some of them weren't, but it was overflowing waters. And so they had to make a choice. Are they going to trust God 
with literally trust God with their lives when they take this step of faith? And are they going to trust him to do what he said he was going to do, that he was going to part the waters so that they could get to the other side? Um, Likewise, I feel like God is calling us to do the very same. I think God was doing, I know he was doing a literal, actual miracle and parting the waters so that they could cross over to the promised land. But I also think God was communicating to us that in every day, every day, we have choices to make to where are we going to trust God to step into whatever the overflow and water situation might be and trust him that he's going to part the waters. So like, for instance, God is always calling us to step out of, and this is all the time in relationships, to step out of bitterness, whereas we would otherwise be bitter with someone, and into forgiveness. He's always calling us to step out of silence and into gospel conversations. Or he may be calling some of you uh, to step out of a dating relationship and into singleness. Or for others, he may be calling us to step out of singleness and into a relationship. God may be calling you to step out of a special dream that you've been saving for and into generosity. Or to step out of one vocation and into another. Or to simply, and I believe he's calling all of us to do this every day, is to simply step out of bed and into the Bible. So these are decisions, everyday decisions that we have to make to where God says, if you just take a step of faith, I'm going to take care of everything else, but you just got to trust me. And I think in my life, how many times have I taken steps of faith that it ended up being like really bad consequences for me and maybe those around me that I didn't take steps of faith and end up being bad consequences, consequences for me and those around me? Or just how many times that I did not take a step of faith and I just robbed myself of the blessing of the waters parting and to be able to cross the river to get into whatever promised land that God may have for me in that moment. So that's number two. Uh, The third everyday choice that we see made in Joshua is the army chose to believe the unbelievable. The army chose to believe the unbelievable. Joshua 6, 1 through 5, we'll look at these verses. Now uh, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. All right, so by the way, guys, you know I mentioned in the previous point that maybe God's calling you out of singleness and into a relationship. If that is the case... And if that is you, we can see right here in God's word, there's some dating advice that he's given us. For instance, I just heard this recently. I'm married. I necessarily can't use this line. Uh, But single guys, you can. You go up to this girl that you're asking uh, out on a date, or maybe you're getting into a relationship, and you want to see if you can take it to the next level. And you can say, if I march around you seven times, will you fall for me? (laughs) 
right. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. Uh, it's right here in the text, you know. Good application. All right, so try that. Let me know how it goes. Uh, give you a minute to recover from that. So Jericho was a one mile. I didn't know this. I was like, I wonder what the circumference of Jericho is. Like, how, how, how long of a walk is it? It's only one mile. It's only a one mile walk to get around the city. Uh, God was calling the army to, mark, uh, to walk a total of 13 times over the course of a week. So I did the math. That's almost 30,000 steps of faith. So it's like 29,000 uh, so 29, steps of faith spread out over a long period of waiting, believing what would otherwise seem unbelievable. I need to check my math on that. I don't know if it's 30,000. Maybe it's 3,000. So I'll check my math on that and get back with you. Maybe that'll be on the next Q&A. But regardless, what I was blown away from this when I thought about this was like, that's really, yes, okay, so... It's a lot of steps of faith in the sense of every step they would take, they have to decide, like, is this really going to happen? Is it, like, this step? Like, am I really doing something that God really is going to honor? And so I think that was important to recognize what they maybe was in their head as they were walking. But also, it was just one mile a day. And so basically what that meant was they, were, they walked one mile, and then for the rest of the day, they just kind of sat around and waited for the next day, in which they would walk another mile. And then they would sit around and wait for the next day. And so it's a lot of steps of faith, and it's a lot of waiting, believing what would otherwise seem unbelievable. It's unbelievable that they were supposed to walk around a city, play trumpets, yell, and a one-mile wall would fall. That's like saying if Charleston needed to engage in a military attack, our best option is not the Air Force Base or the Naval Weapons Station or even going down to the Citadel and getting some cadets. The best option would be the Wando Marching Band. Like, it's just crazy to me to think that that was God's plan. Like, but it was. But it was, I'm sure it was to some degree when they're taking that march around the city and they're sitting around waiting, they're like, this is unbelievable. Like, is this really going to happen? But it's also unbelievable that, just in looking at what we've seen so far, that a prostitute is a major hero in God's redemptive plan. It's unbelievable that over one million people crossed an overflowing Jordan River on dry land. It's unbelievable that God would stop the sun for a full day. It's unbelievable that Braden, a college student, would actually live countercultural to the world around him. It's unbelievable, and I, I did a little research on this, that did you know that 174,000 people come to Christ every day? That's unbelievable. And did you know that every week 3,500 churches open up worldwide? Unbelievable. And it's unbelievable to think that just seven years ago we were one of those churches and are still here today. It's unbelievable uh, that one man, could die on a cross and billions of men and women over the course of history as a result of that one event would be reconciled to God. It's unbelievable that same man could be raised from the dead 
and ascend into heaven, and that one day he'll come back on a white horse. Like, if this is you, and if you look at the Bible, and you look at testimonies like Braden, and say, you know, this is just so outside of the norm, it's just difficult to believe. Like, I get it. I understand. It can be hard to believe. Unless, of course, it's true. Unless we find out that it's just simply how God operates. Unless we believe, we begin to see that this kind of stuff happens so much in the scriptures. And that's why we got to be in the word every day. So that what we would deem unbelievable starts becoming believable. Not because you're drinking some, you're taking some pill, but it's because you're starting to see over and over and over in the course of human history in the Bible that this kind of stuff is not necessarily unbelievable. It's just normal because this is how God operates in the scriptures and in life. That we must, that we begin to see that there is a reality outside of the scope of what we would deem normal. And then you start to see that maybe it's not so hard to believe that God might heal you or someone you love from cancer, that God could heal a broken marriage, that God could bring back a wayward kid, that God could release you from an addiction, that God could save your family member or friend or or neighbor. Often the reason people don't do what God says is because they don't believe that God will honor their obedience. Often the, people, the reason people don't pray is because they don't believe that God will answer. I always never answered my prayers before. It's probably because you haven't been praying. Like you start praying and he starts answering. Or maybe one reason people don't share the gospel is because they don't believe that God would actually save the person that they would otherwise be sharing the gospel with. I think, and I see this happening more and more and more since I left college ministry, like it's just over and over and over, single people who live together before they're married. Like, single people who live together before they're married, I believe do so because they don't believe that God actually has something better for them when they live by his word and they wait on him. So often when people don't obey God, it's less because of temptation. And I understand temptation is a real thing. The world, the flesh, and the devil is tempting us to take those forks in the road. But often it's less because of the temptation that's presented to us and more because we simply don't believe that walking in obedience will work. Got to be in the Bible. Got to be seeing that it works, it works, it works. And then you got to be willing to take those steps of faith into overflowing waters and see God part the Jordan River. But if God can use a marching band to take down a wall, then think of what he can do in your life if you simply do what he says. All right, number four, as far as everyday everyday choices we see in the book of Joshua, Achan chose to break faith. So in Joshua 7, 1, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So Joshua didn't know about this. He didn't know what had happened in Jericho when they were wrapping things up and that Achan had taken some stuff for himself. So he says, okay, on to the next thing. Let's send an army into battle against this nation, Ai. So he does in verse 4. So about 3,000 people went up from there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed 
about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Sherebim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. A couple of observations. Notice first that the entire nation suffered because of one man's sin. They lost the battle. And even more so, 36 guys died. In fact, notice that the number is 36 and because of one man's choice. So it's just kind of interesting to me when we think about that a person makes 36 choices a minute, and in one minute, a man makes a choice, and 36 people die. I'm not sure that about that morning, but I, I'm assuming that Aiken didn't think, if I hold a few things back, 36 people are going to die. But it was true for Aiken, and it's true for you and me. We have no idea of the ripple effects of our own sin. We have no idea, I believe, of the choices that we make and what kind of blessing and benefit it can bring and what kind of uh, consequences it can bring as well for those around us. I assume that Gavarillo uh, Princep in 1914 wasn't thinking that his decision to assassinate the Archdale of Australia would lead to World War I and almost 15 million people being killed. But the same goes for us. We'll say, hey, it's just an out-of-town meeting on a out-of-town on business trip. It's just you and her and no one will ever know. Or it's just a one quarterly sales appoint, a report with one account. What difference will it make? Or students, it's just a school paper. Everybody does it. How I get it done is really irrelevant. Or when you're driving, it's just a few drinks. I can handle it. Or even something probably that's more prevalent for all of us is that it's just one text I need to send while I'm driving. Everyone does it. Your choices, big or small, impact you and those around you more than you realize. I think that's why God says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Even the smallest of decisions impact whether or not we're glorifying him and how we're thinking and how we're acting and the impact that it has on those around us. Last everyday decision we see in Joshua is Joshua chose to do all God said to do. Joshua chose to do all God said to do. In verse 15 of uh, chapter 11, just as the Lord had commanded Moses' servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left un nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So I think the key word in this verse is all. The level of success, as God would define success, that you experience is based on the total number of wise choices that you make. Our staff's taking a Dave Ramsey class right now, and we're learning that the earlier you start investing, the money just keeps piling up. And boy, at 49 years old, if I'm not sitting there going, oh my goodness, what was I doing when I was in my 20s? The earlier you start making wise decisions, the more success you're going to experience for the rest of your life. A few weeks ago, I was, uh, Kelly, I was on the phone with your mom, Patty. She told you. Uh, and we were talking, and she was telling me that when she was raising her kids and they would leave the house, she would simply say to them, wise choices. Wise choices. 
And when I was talking to her, it was like such a simple phrase that she was basically telling me how she raised her kids. And I thought, man, that is gold. That's exactly what I want for my kids. Every day, just simply making wise choices. So this is changing how I pray for myself. Just a few weeks ago, it's changing how I pray for myself, my family. I want them to live lives full of wise choices. So those are five everyday decisions that we see in the book of Joshua. As we draw this to a conclusion, we'll look at how the book concludes. And that's in, verse, in chapters 23 and 24. In Joshua's last speech in chapter 24, in verses 14 through 15, he says this to the Israelites. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's interesting that in verse 18, the people, they get fired up. I mean, Joshua must have gave a really good sermon. They said, we're going to do it. We'll do it. And then Joshua says, nah, you're not able to do it. (laughs) And they said, no, 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 we'll do it. You know, we think about their response and then Joshua's response back to them. The, the truth is Joshua was really right that they can't do it. They're not able to do it, and we aren't either. They can't choose to obey God in every way, every day. Left to ourselves, we always turn to the left or to the right. But a couple of things to note about the life of Joshua. It says that, the Bible says that he did all that the Lord said to do, he conquered God's enemies, and he led God's people into the promised land. Now, we know the truth. He was a man, and he was a sinner, and he didn't do everything perfectly, but the overall command of what God was commanding him to do, he did, and he conquered God's enemies, and he led them into the promised land. The reason we can't do it is because we, without God with us and in us, left to ourselves, will always choose ourselves at the centers of our lives every time. But there was a man who one day would come, and he would have the Hebrew name Joshua. We know him as Jesus, who would truly do all that the Lord said to do. He would conquer God's enemies, ultimately sin, Satan, death, and hell, And he would lead all of God's believers into his presence and eventually the new promised land. So Jesus was able to do what we're not able to do. And so if you go back to our biblical truth, if you consistently choose to obey God, you will succeed wherever you go. So the reason that we can have success in obeying God is that he now lives in us And that just like the promise he gave to Joshua, we see it in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that he is with us wherever we go. So true success, so it's important that we define true success as we land the plane this morning. It's not just getting whatever I would deem successful to help me feel good about my life, but true success comes 
when we join God's side, when we take steps of faith, when we believe the unbelievable, and we do that all God says to do so that we can have success that honors him, that ultimately fulfills us with purpose, security, and fulfillment, and then impacts the world around us for the glory of God and for the good of others. That is what true success is. And all of this is possible today, tomorrow, and for the rest of this week, and for the rest of our lives, because Jesus is with you, and for those who trust in Jesus, he's in you. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, that you have given us these great promises, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that when we accept you, Lord Jesus, and make this ultimate decision that Braden made, that you live within us and you will never let us go. And then you give us your word to help us understand what it's like not only to accept Christ, but to live for you every day. And I pray, Lord, that each of one of us, as we leave here this morning, that you would help us to make everyday choices that embrace you, that cling to you, that don't turn to the left or to the right, that meditate on your word day and night so that we can live it out. And Lord, I pray that this week we would experience the power of your Holy Spirit, Spirit working in us and through us. And help us to make everyday choices that are not, uh, that ultimately follow in the two greatest commandments. And that, those are choices that love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love those around us even more than we love ourselves. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. My name's Chip. I'm the lead pastor here at King's Cross Church. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that you're growing in the gospel as we work our way through the story. Take a moment to subscribe and you'll get each week's episode automatically. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.